Assembly Row in Somerville, Massachusetts. It's the Jeff Santos Show, kicking ass for the middle class. And now, here's Jeff. It is hour three of the Jeff Santos Show, and welcome to it. Sun is out here in Greater Boston. 45 degrees last time I checked. It may have gotten a little bit cooler. Uh, we got a uh, great hour of radio, folks. Uh, two of my uh, favorites, uh, contributors and people uh, with us uh, over the next uh, hour or so. Continue to take your calls, of course, at 844-967-2789. Emails, jeff at revolutionboston.com. And check us out on both Facebook and Twitter and post at uh, Jeff Santos Show. Uh, because of you know what has happened over the last three weeks with Parkland and these young students, some of them we just had on. Again, you can catch the podcast uh, over the next 48 hours uh, at revolutionradionetwork.com. And, uh, and listen to Trayvon Smith and uh, Amelia Ryan and Sarah Rays all did a great, great job, all under 18 years of age. Simply amazing. But I want to bring in two people who have been uh, there on the front lines when they were in their teens and early 20s. Um, they are um, Marvin Gaye's favorite journalist. Of course, we're talking about the one and only Herb Boyd, great journalist, great professor at City College, where our other guest, former aide to, I should say, former media consultant to Reverend Jesse Jackson and former media consultant to the likes of Sherrod Brown, Paul Songus, and Paul Wellstone, Jerry Austin, join us, and we'll play the Ruby Tuesday song a little bit later for Jerry. But both of these individuals were there on the front lines in civil rights and anti-Vietnam protests, and we bring them back to sort of look at this and maybe compare it to where we are today after millions of kids, students marched around the country. Are we at a point where our Carla John brought up and we have been talking about earlier are we at a point where we're now in this age of civic attitude and uh, civic involvement by young uh, teenagers? Uh, it's great to have both Herb Boyd and Jerry Austin with us. Herb will be with us to the bottom of the hour, and Jerry, until uh, we sign off. Great to have you both with us, guys. It's been a long time since we've done this, and uh, great to have you back on. Always a pleasure. Well... Um, let me start first with you, Herb. Um, uh -huh. you know, I, I know in New York there was a massive amount of people uh, in Manhattan yesterday. Um, many of them, you know, 12 to 18-year-olds. Mm -hmm. I marched with kids yesterday as young as 9 and 10. Um, <laughs> you know, I saw, um, you know, them chanting, you know, this is what democracy looks like. And then I heard the chant of Black Lives Matter. Um, that was great to see because the kids I was marching with um, were lily white and there maybe were three or four kids who were African-American in, in there as well. Um, are we at a point where we're bringing together generations? I mean, this is the generations today 
are, are more diverse than ever before. People can get along. But, you know, people did. It was black and white with the civil rights and, and to a lesser extent with Vietnam. How do you compare the two? You were there in the front lines in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me about it. Well, it's always rough to do the uh, the comparisons. Uh, I always figure all comparisons are odious. and But what you can do, and the takeaway that I get, it's all inspirational to see, particularly the young people out there. And I think you're absolutely right, Jeff, to kind of have us um, – these couple of old veteran uh, activists kind of reflect, uh, <laughs> reflect Young at heart. Uh, what, what, yeah, what, what happened with uh, in our generation. I think guns are key for both. I think you certainly have that commonality. However, the guns are here uh, in this country and being aimed at one another, uh, whole gun control issues. For us, it was the Vietnam guns guns that uh, had very international uh, disaster associated with very foreign wars, particularly the war in Vietnam. We were very much concerned about that when we took to the street. You know, one of the things about this, what we had going for us, and certainly Jerry can echo on this, is that, you know, once, once you have this kind of massive outpouring, this kind of outrage out there, you always wonder how do you harness it and how do you sustain it you know, from one moment to another. What we had back then was a number of very, very charismatic individuals who, between the various uh, iterations or eruptions, we had people who could speak truth to power and articulate that in a number of arenas, on a number of forums. I don't know, you know, you have the young people out there and they have this here, boom, that, that moment of inspiration, but you wonder... You know, where are those individuals who can fill in the blanks for us and carry us from one incident to another? Uh, perhaps it's going to emerge. I was very enlightened to see, like, the Emma Gonzalez, you know, some of the young people I was watching on uh, on uh, YouTube as well as um, on C-SPAN. And uh, when I was coming back uh, yesterday, I spoke at Megar Everest College, and coming back from the college, I saw – Tons of people going across the Brooklyn Bridge. I don't know if that was just the annual weekend. I mean, the the ordinary or normal weekend traffic <laughs> that people tourists take across the bridge. But I saw some signs there, so indicate that some of those people either were coming from or going to the whole demonstration outside of Trump Tower, outside outside of his hotel in Midtown Manhattan, where you had a, con- a considerable number of people turned out there. So let me say this quickly: that obviously I'm inspired by this, but I'm looking for ways and the whole intergenerational dialogue that's going to be important to have a little bit few more older people out there. And obviously all those politicians down in Washington, they got out of town, they got out of Dodge. So they knew it weren't even around for that, but it's going to be hard for them to escape. And let's hope that this outrage goes all the way to the voting booths, you know, particularly for the midterm elections. Uh, Jerry, um, you know, I think that uh, is a good um, uh, segue. You've been involved in elections uh, for a long, long time. Um, How does, what kind of impact does yesterday's rally, not only in Washington, uh, in New York City, but here in Boston and small towns, I don't know what they did in Cleveland and Akron, but everywhere that I saw on, on, on MSNBC and CNN and other uh, networks. It were you know thousands of people out there, and many of them young. So I guess the question is, 
does it have an impact? A lot of these kids can vote. A lot of them can't because they're too young. What impact does it have on November 2018? Well, first of all, let me say that there is hope for the Republic. That's true. Um, <laughs> yesterday was the beginning. It wasn't the end. And they, I think I understand that the next job is to basically get registered to vote and to vote and to vote these people out to positions on issues that are important uh, they don't like. They made it very clear that they're not interested in your, your prayers. They're not interested in waiting on Congress to do their job. They're like we were, Herb, that we decided that it, we were tired of protesting. We got involved. Jeff, are you getting the echo? I mean, this people is out. Very, very distorted. We're, we're trying to work on that, Herb. Uh, Keith, if you mm -hmm. can uh, help out here, we're going to. Okay. All right. We're going to try to see if we can rectify that. Um, uh, go ahead, uh, Jerry, if you, could, if you could. Yeah, I think that's a little better. Ample, yeah, that's That's been much better. Go ahead and amplify your thoughts. Well, the, 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 point, the point here, I still hear the echo. No. No, it's All right, terrible. we'll just have to make bank best of this as much as he can. Um, uh, go ahead, Jerry, finish your thought. I want to see if this is better. It doesn't sound like it. Um, my, 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 th my thought is that, that these young people are a lot more mature than we were back in the 60s in this regard. What impressed me uh, yesterday was in terms of watching the program, uh, and they were in charge, they made sure that they didn't leave out anybody. They had they had young Chicago talking about the center. They had young young people on from from New York City. Uh, they made sure that it was just white kids being shot uh, at schools around the country. That this was violence that was going on. These uh, and make mention of Black Lives Matter. That was important because, remember, to my knowledge, that one of the shootings in schools have been in an inner city school that one of the people that has perpetrated here has been minority. So you could conceivably leave all that out and make believe that there's no violence going on in suburban schools. All right, Herb, I don't know how much you've heard of this, but let me just sort of try to, uh, you know, capitalize uh, or cap <clears throat> um, put a total ribbon on what Jerry was saying. Yeah, I, I think I think he was I think he was saying that the kids uh, today are a lot more uh, in charge of what was going on in the events mm -hmm. leading up uh, and at yesterday's events around the country that they were making decisions, you know, who to put on. They weren't allowing adults, maybe as it was going on back in the day uh, in the late 60s and, and early 70s or mid 60s, and that these kids were more true. Um, I think those are sort of the words that Jerry used. And um, mm -hmm. uh, and then there was obviously this mixture of uh, African-Americans and, um, and, and 
and people of color along with whites, and that 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 was important because, you know, we have seen Parkland, we have seen, um, you know, uh, Connecticut, and and um, and what happened, you know, in Newtown. Uh, but a lot of this is white America, and in a lot of cases, upscale white America. This is not the South Side of Chicago. Uh, it's not uh, Harlem. It's not um, South Central Los Angeles. And I think to include the two is going to be a very, very important, tricky in some ways. But I think if you can do this, I think that's, that is a, a great, great step for this country. And no doubt about it, and I think uh, Jerry is absolutely right. Uh, I could make out a little of what, what he was saying, but I think one of the things that having, and you, and you, Jeff, you say you witness, you know, some very, very young people out there. Now, yeah, I can't Amazing. really. Amazing, 10-year-olds. Yeah, I can't remember us ever having any, any, anything under 12. I mean, it was rare. When you had some under 12, they usually was accompanied by, you know, adult, which of course is good, yeah. uh, because you there need were parents to in the sidelines. Exactly, you know, the whole family connection is important because that's going to be a driving concern of their of their uh, discussions at in the evening, after it's all said and done. You know, some kind of let's reflect on that and and see how we move ahead. You know, how do how do we c- capture that energy? and take it back to the classroom, and I think that's one of the, uh, the seminal points in all of this is because these are, these are school kids, for the most part, who are marching all across this land, who are walking out of the classrooms. And if we can – we had a student movement that was very similar to that, sometimes it was connected to the war, sometimes just connected with local issues in terms of what was happening in various school systems, particularly in Detroit at that time the whole northern student movement, which was uh, critically uh, connected with the not only anti-war, but also the uh, police brutality that was so widespread at that time. But, but so, Herb, Herb uh, let me, can I interrupt a second? Go, go right ahead, Jerry. Uh, I, think, I think Herb yeah. should be able to hear you. I, I, want, I, want to, I think I figured out what my problem is. I don't know, maybe. Anyway, what point I want to make is that, is that in our era, Herb, our leaders were basically in college. These are high school kids who are incredibly articulate, have incredible poise. And if you watched, uh, you know, Emma Gonzalez yesterday, which you did as I did, you want to see a charismatic figure, there she was. Did you hear that, Herb? I just heard they were white. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I picked up in there. Yeah. No, no, no. He was talking about Emma I mean, Gonzalez and how. Point, though. <laughs> it was. But no, no. They, they were they were in high school rather than college, and and that Emma Gonzalez was was as amazing and articulate as a high school student that oh, Jerry yes. has ever seen. Um, mm-hmm. Paraphrasing a little bit, but you know that's the gist of it, and that you know she is uh, an amazing leader. Um, uh, your, your your thoughts on that too, uh, Herb? I think one of the things we have to be very careful about anointing these individuals and making these young people leaders is that I, I think some, it's going to be a little bit of resistance coming from them too because 
they don't necessarily want to be singled out. I mean, obviously, they want to be a cor- part of the chorus. Uh, I don't know if many of them would want to necessarily solo unless, uh, unless they were survivors, you know, those people who, who who were very immediately endangered, you know, in Parkland or wherever. You know, it's for them to kind of be pushed out almost by default. You know, they're thrown into a leadership role, but they're going to have to make sure that they're surrounded by other individuals, right-minded thinking individuals who can help them kind of sort out what individual and collective role that they can play because it has to be a hydra-headed leadership because all you have to do is isolate one of those individuals. They go astray. They're no longer there. They have the charisma is lost, that voice is lost. And you can have like a diminution, you know, kind of a shrinking and, and a decrease in whole energized aspects of this movie. They can't center it, and I hope they won't center it too much on any one particular individual unless you do it with a number of individuals. So there's a hydra-headed leadership. Because we saw what happened, and Jerry can attest to this, we saw what happened in the 60s when they began to kind of pick us off one by one, boom, 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 whether we're Black Panthers, whether we're Black Power Advocates, or against uh, you know political prisoners who were speaking out, to say nothing of anti-war protesters, how they began to isolate these individuals and how they kind of they pulled the plug and kind of torpedoed the whole movement more or less. Well, let me bring up something, and, and Jerry, if you want to, if, if you can hear what Herb said, if you want to add to that, be my guest. But I want to talk about the Riverside uh, speech, uh, Riverside Church that Martin Luther King talked about getting into Vietnam. He had spent a lot of time on civil rights. When he got into that, it brought a lot of people together. Of course, you know, that was 1968, 50 years ago, April 4, when he was assassinated, coming up now um, in, in, in several days. And I think that that was bringing together eventually would would be the poor people's campaign that never really took off i mean is it is it in your mind jerry and 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 herb if you can hear each other uh is it for black lives matter leaders who are maybe a little bit older than miss gonzalez and others to sort of you know say hey we can we can do this together or does the chemistry not work i'll first go to you jerry well, for, first of all, uh, one, one of the issues is that I've been waiting on kids to get involved in something that was important to their lives. When I was, you know, their age, it was civil rights and it was the war. My children didn't have those issues. We, we They grew up at a time when when they didn't have to fight for the things we fought for. Now, because of the guns and violence issue, these young people have, have basically said, you know, enough's enough. Uh, we're going to get involved. We understand what ha- we have to get people out of office that are in office. And so I'm, I'm, in, I'm encouraged by that. Now, with, you know, we're coming up on the 50th anniversary of Dr. King's assassination. I remember 30 years ago, I was with Jesse Jackson at Ebenezer Baptist Church on the anniversary of the 20th anniversary of Dr. King's death. And Jesse Jackson's speech that day was basically 
giving Dr. King a report on the status of the United States in the 20 years in which he departed. Now, 30 years later, I'm not so sure that that if Jesse Jackson gave that same report, that the points he made would have changed that much. Mm. We all thought that because electing Barack Obama was a seminal point in our history and that we would change to the, to the positive forever, it didn't take too long to prove that was wrong. Well said, Jerry. Herb, I don't know if you want to add to that. I thought that was very well said, Jerry, and, and, and sad but true. And both, I should say, both in a very general and specific way, I, let me echo, you know, what uh, what Jerry has to say there. Uh, no pun intended, y'all. But one of the things about the uh, anti-war movement and Dr. King's speech at Riverside, I mean, it, it, it all centers on his concern about this, of the spending of money in this country, the whole militarization and how that deprived, you know, funding and finances and programs, you know, anti-poverty programs, the, uh, you know, what was going on with poor people in this country. There was a kind of a misuse. He was putting money in a rat hole, as he said. And, and he spoke out against that and very much, you know, began to voice his concern about, you know, beyond this black people and the civil rights movement began to kind of, a, a, you know, allude to, some a larger issue in terms of human rights. You know, begin to talk about human rights, and so that was a very uh, substantial, very substantial elevation of his rhetoric. Because for the most part, people center him and lock him into "I have a dream" speech. But 1967, you know, and parts of 1968, he began to indicate a little bit more, you know, a radical militant stance in terms of the yep. uh, war in Vietnam, international issues, and also dealing with various domestic issues that pertain to people beyond the whole color question, begin to talk about a class analysis in effect. Uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, both of you bring up, you know, some really great points that I think uh, younger folks and, and, and Jerry, like your kids, uh, you know, the I, I march with 10 people to stop apartheid in South Africa at my university. Ten. Um, you know, it was not that political, you know, in the 1980s, we were dominated by the Reagan world. And, 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 and after that, it was, you know, sort of uh, Democratic light with Clinton. So those are the, you know, my young years. And uh, it was much different. We hope that these young students today continue to fight. Herb, I know you have to leave us. Jerry will stay with oh, you. Yes. Okay. Uh, thank we'll you talk later. For... Okay. Oh, definitely. Bye-bye. Thank you, Herb. We'll be right back and continue the conversation with you at 844-967-2789 and with our great friend Jerry Austin. It is the Jeff Santos Show, back in the flash.